You're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this bank holiday Saturday morning. The sun is shining and Porrick Horkin is on holidays. However, uh, the deputies are in studio this morning and we want to say a very good morning to Peter and to Michal. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Georgia. Georgia. How are you this fine bank holiday morning? Very well now. Yeah. This, this lovely morning. Gorgeous. Absolutely. Now, lots to talk about on the gardening programme this morning. Um, it is the June bank holiday weekend and of course, Bloom has started in the Phoenix Park in Dublin and Michal you were there during the week what's it like this year? Uh, it's uh, absolutely fantastic it's like a great experience if anyone's thinking of going up over the weekend um, I was there on the Wednesday which was the press day so it was great I didn't have to uh, you didn't have to queue I didn't have to tangle <laughs> with the crowds at all <laughs> so um, myself and Boric went around all the gardens and yeah, there's some fantastic uh, uh, gardens there this year um, what, what are the things that are standing out now? I suppose plants-wise, you can really see what's working at this time of the year. What what were the ones that really kind of caught your oh, eye? There was some absolutely jaw-dropping plants there. Like, you know, for anyone who loves their plants, it's a great experience. And, you know, I'm sure you'll catch it on the telly and that, some of the images. But uh, some of the plants that really uh, um, I thought were outstanding were uh, the lavenders this year were just breathtaking. Uh, they were in a number of gardens and... Uh, fantastic varieties of them and in great colour uh, and used really well and really cleverly through the gardens. Oh right, uh, in what way now, how would how would they be used cleverly? Uh, well I suppose uh, in massive group planting, you know, so instead of putting one or two, you know, in the corner of a garden, um, a lot of the designers use them in, you know, uh, putting kind of 12 or 15 together to give you a, uh, to give you a big uh, group of, you know, blue or purple. So big uh, bushy colour as exactly, such. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, you know, towards the, the front of beds and that where, you know, uh, where the sun is really getting at them, they'll do terrific for uh, for listeners. Okay, and what what else? So lavender is obviously uh, a, a key player this year. Yeah. What what else uh, caught your eye? Uh, well, another plant uh, that was uh, you know really caught my eye was wisteria, um, and the wisterias is uh, I suppose they're normally used as um, a climbing plant for frames or against walls or on trellises or that. Uh, but uh, in one particular garden, uh, he had them pruned in such a way that it was like a little tree coming out of a bed. Wow. Uh, so it was a big woody stem of a, um, a wisteria and the blooms all just hanging almost to the ground. It was... Uh, sensational. You okay. really want to see it. Because I suppose wisteria can be one of those plants for, you know, it does take a couple of years if I'm right in ah, my you're, memory. You're picking well, stuff we, up. Yeah, <laughs> well, we had a wisteria in our house, or my mother had a couple of years ago that got devastated by that awful, you know, winter uh, two or three years ago. And I, I remember it took about ten years for it to actually come into bloom in the first instance. Yeah, you it did was, right. It was gorgeous for the couple of years we had it and then, uh, you know, it's back to nothing. But it has started to regrow. But yeah, traditionally we tend to associate it as maybe along walls or over the archways and things like that. So interesting to see how it can be used in other ways there. Yeah, that's it. And like, if, you know, if anyone wants a real treat of a plant, you know, get yourself a wisteria, but try and get one a little older than your normal uh, small climber. You know, one that might be four or five years old. It'll be a little bit dearer, but because wisteria takes so long to flower, mm. um, it'll be there all the, the sooner for you. Okay, that's interesting. And if you are, so you can get them where they have, you know, they're a couple of years old. Are, are they harder to kind of plant in then? Or No, no, you yeah, can plant them in the same way. Right. Uh, give them, you know, good nutrition when you put them in, a little bit of fertiliser. But, uh, you know, plant them where they're getting a little bit of sun, if you can manage it. And anywhere they can scramble up through. So it might be, um, you know, a post or a pole in your garden. They'll wrap around that and, you know, grow up 
up with uh, quite happily or any bit of trellis or wire or any area you want to disco- uh, disguise uh, but I suppose the main thing about wisteria is when the flower, nothing touches them. Yes. They're absolutely Literally, breathtaking. They're, they really are. So what else have we got in bloom then? Uh, well, I suppose another plant that really uh, uh, caught my eye is, and it you know, it tends to be in, in bloom quite a bit, but this year they really went for it, is the, the Japanese maples. Uh, and they're, you know, for anyone who has one in their garden at the moment, like this time of year, they're really showing themselves mm. off. All that new growth is really... Um, you know, has beautiful glossy leaves at this time of year, uh, and they're they're a fantastic plant. And um, so uh, they're grown in lots of different uh, ways, and you know, shapes and heights and that. But um, I suppose the main thing for anyone who wants to try a Japanese maple is it needs a little bit of shelter. So you know, from uh, high winds or that, mm. it, it wouldn't be suitable. But if you have a little corner of the garden nestled in among other plants, it makes an ideal uh, plant for colour. Uh, and it also needs a small bit of shade. Right. So if it, usually, if it gets those two things, it'll grow it'll quite grow. happily. Okay. But and they're kind. Of, they're they're slow enough growing the Japanese maple, aren't yeah, they? they? So are. bit of patience as well, perhaps. Bit or of else patience, get a good yeah. size get, get a good size tree. <laughs> Is that the way it works? Yeah. <laughs> you have to talk in Japanese to them, though. Okay, <laughs> we won't go there. No, not this hour of the morning, anyway. So, the, another thing you were mentioning there, Michal, is that you noticed that the grow-your-own uh, side of things seems to really have been embraced by the show gardens this yeah, year. Yeah, it does, yeah. And it's, yeah, I really noticed that in a number of gardens up there. Um, they've, you know, done, uh, I suppose... You know, they've recreated smaller gardens uh, and what you can do in smaller gardens. And, you know, even if you're, the area is quite small, you can grow, you know, lots of different vegetables and, uh, you know, in uh, in raised beds or in, you know, in, in pots or in lots of different ways. And they've done that quite heavily in bloom this year. Like there's one garden that almost everything in it is edible. Uh, oh, so right. So it's just, uh, it, you know, it's planted up. Like if you were hungry, you could head in there and, you know, you can get your dinner out of it. And is it, I mean, you know, vegetables look great in terms of vegetables, but for, I suppose, colour and flowering, we don't really think of vegetables no, in those terms. No, And is that the way they're using them here? They or? are, yeah. Like, you know, there's, I suppose, lettuces, you know, uh, done with all different colours, you know, and, you know, mass planted. So you've lovely reds and lime greens and that all done together. Um, and you know the use of herbs like you know chives are probably in full flower now they are indeed yeah Yeah. so you know a lot of gardeners wouldn't let them go to flower because you know we want the stems from them but they're actually a beautiful plant when you do uh, let them go to flower so um, but yeah it, it, w- it was great to see and there's also the big wall garden up there which is uh, the president's garden and that's uh, like for anyone who's keen on growing vegetables like I am uh, it's uh, um, it's really something special. Like okay. the the garden must be at least uh, I'd say two acres, and there's not one weed in it. It's wow. just all planted up really well. <laughs> How many people does that take to oh, manage? I'd I wonder. say there was at least uh, fifteen <laughs> gardeners there. All it's plucking. not just one person no. out. So <laughs> no, there's not. No, but still amazing to see what can be done. Amazing, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, and. Oh, so in total, are there a lot of show gardens this year? Uh, there was, I'd say, um, about 15, 15 or 16. Okay. And, uh, you know, sometimes we associate, you know, um, events such as Bloom with, you know, very extraordinary gardens, gardens that are very hard to replicate when we come back to our own little patch. How are the gardens this year, you know, comparing? Because you go along and you see, oh, you say, that is really stunning, all right, but sure, I'd never be able to do that. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone visiting Bloom uh, 
you know, you, you couldn't not take something away that'll suit your own garden. Like there's something there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's seaside gardens there. Uh, there's little cottage gardens. There's Mrs. Brown's garden is there, and okay. that's that, that, that's hilarious. You want to see it? <laughs> so worth worth the trip alone, I oh, suspect. It is, yeah, right. it's fantastic. But you, you can you can take something away. Like and there's lots of little cunning ideas that the designers have used that you know anyone can put into their garden. Okay, so just and um, like I mean, as the, and the plants that you've mentioned are all plants that we're all familiar with that a lot of people will have in their gardens already but it's just looking at ways how you can I suppose present them in their best possible way. Yeah that's it and you know and finding out new varieties of them that you could try. Great stuff okay so it sounds and it's on all weekends up to and including Monday I think. That's right yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. um, I suppose the only thing is that it can be very busy, so so time as well and give yourself That's lots it. of opportunity and to get around on everything. Yeah, if you get there early in the morning, like you'll get the best of it. Great stuff. Peter, it's a sunny morning this morning. Uh, it's a bank holiday weekend, a weekend we'd kind of very much associate with going out into the garden. What are the jobs for the weekend? Well, I suppose with the last the last few days, it's been so warm and uh, a lot of customers coming through the shop at the moment. Um, and I suppose one of the key jobs and every customer is looking for at the moment is, is it's all about container planting. It's, it's, I suppose it's getting that little bit of colour for the summer months ahead and, and to be able to enjoy that. And... I suppose, I mean, container planting, it's all about the hanging basket mm. for the front door. It's about the container for the front door or the window box for the window uh, or balcony planting. And I suppose there's so much colour available at the moment and colour that will flower from now and stay in flower really to the first frost up to the end of November. Yeah, because I suppose what we have over the last week or so anyway, because temperatures are increasing, we're all probably sitting out in the garden a little bit more. And now we're seeing um, maybe where it's not as colourful as we'd like it to be. Or you're trying to, you know, maybe people coming around and putting on a little bit of a show. So very yeah, much a weekend yeah. for oh, is, getting yeah. those things yeah. in place. And there's so much instant, you know, if, if, if it's a, an occasion or something that you need something instant in flower, like large dahlias or large geraniums. There's such a variety of, of material out there at the moment that you can just have a, a ready-made container and the look and the spectacular straight away. And as I said, uh, particularly with the summer flowering plants, you, you get so much value out of your money for them because the, the flower for that period, the winter we had last year, or the autumn we had last mm. year was so mild that summer flower containers, the plants like fuchsias or geraniums, stayed in flower to nearly the end of November, which, which was extraordinary. It was great value for money and they looked really well. So hopefully, fingers crossed, if you get your uh, boxes Absolutely. in place, and, that and they'll, they'll have good longevity again this year. I suppose the key thing with, with it, you know, and starting off is is the compost, you know, and, and making sure that's right and, and, and your container and, and picking the plants then, you know, picking geraniums or fuchsias for the centre of the tubs and, and basket plants like Bacopa or Bidens, which is a beautiful yellow flowering plant. They're all freely available at the moment. And of course, all the trailing petunias, you know, purple, the barney, coloured pink, a uh, super collection of plants at the moment. Okay, so so that would be key job really key job, for yeah, for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And anything else on the agenda well, for the of course, weekend? Of course, the lawns. Just you know, and everyone likes their lawn. Everyone likes a green lawn. And now is a particularly good time to to give it a tonic or give it a feed to get that lush colour in it and and keep it going then for the summer. So something you know like a park and fairway, which is a straight fertilizer. It's very good to put that on them at the moment, and just to keep the weeds at bay at the moment as mm. well too, because they will start coming 
daisies are out there. It's there, prevalent yep. at the moment. Yep. And you can hit those with something like a selective weed killer, something like Dicafar is very good. I know Porik would have mentioned it before, mm-hmm. but now is a good time to apply that as well because you are getting the leaf growth. And of course, these products are taken in through the leaf. So it's a very good time to hit them now. The more foliage you have there, the better kill you will get with that product and it'll keep it clean then for the season. And just any traces of moss, you know, a lot of people may have used the Osmo, but if it's a small area, you could use something like Moss Free, the call it. You just mix it with water and simply apply it on with a watering can and that'll just take care of the moss for you. Okay. Uh, so it, if we're attending to lawns, and I mean, today is probably a lawns day where the sun is out and, it, you know, the grass is going to get nice and dry, hopefully. Um, is it a case that we should cut first and then apply? or? Well, I think so, yes. Mm. So it, absolutely, cut first, maybe leave for a day or two and then apply then, apply your fertiliser then. But but with the weed killers, as I said, it's important that you leave the grass up because, as I said, the more foliage you have there, the better kill right. you will get. Okay. So let your grass up if you are doing a weed control and you're killing weeds that, that's important because as a, the product is taken in through the leaf so, and a good idea too with any of these uh, weed killers is just mix a little bit of washing up liquid with, with, with the, the product it just uh, helps it stick to the leaf that little bit better particularly things you know waxy leaves or where mm. the chemical might just uh, run, run off, off it, it. Right. and, and uh, I suppose listeners if they've any little patches or bald spots or bare patches in the lawn an excellent time to do that as well and you can get little products like patch magic repair magic any of those or even make up your own magic mixture of seed and compost and apply that in those and a, a simple process just fork the area first with, with, with a garden fork right. just to loosen up and then to add a little bit of compost and you can mix your compost with your seed or if you don't want to go down that road you can buy a ready-made product like patch magic and just apply that on the on the area and within a few days with this weather it'll be green again okay great so so definitely a weekend for tackling all those, those things those that you're looking jobs. at for the last couple of weeks and it's starting to annoy you a small little bit uh, today's the day to get out and get that sorted out yeah okay great now you've come into the studio with heaps of plants because um Michal, obviously you've been inspired by your trip to bloom a little bit sure um has. and all of the the color that that we've been talking about. You've brought in, I think, a couple of hydrangeas this morning. I have, yeah. I, I really like hydrangeas. Like, they're uh, one of my pet loves. So they are. Because, um, uh, and I suppose uh, in the west of Ireland here, we'd see a lot of uh, a lot of them in gardens because uh, they tend to take a lot of abuse, um, which is what, what we need. Yes. Um, so this particular one is called Lady in Red. Um, and it, it's, as you can see, like, it's just coming into flower at the moment. Uh, there's loads of buds on it you know they're just bursting open at the moment so you have the lovely dark foliage of it uh, and a uh, what color is that tell me well Maroon it's kind or? of a, well it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a deep pinky red really yeah, it's yeah really rich, it is it? yeah because i suppose one of the things that we well i in probably my ignorance was associated with hydrangeas is that i think you know hydrangeas is kind of blue hydrangeas or there is the kind of the the the, the, the lighter ones yeah, the pink, uh, yeah yeah the pink one and that's it that's i mean that's all i would associate but yeah. obviously there's a lot more to them than that because this uh, falls between neither of those tools it's a really yeah. vibrant color and the flowers themselves you know the petals seem to be i don't know 
are they a little bigger than than the, the more traditional varieties? They are, yeah. And I suppose as the plant gets uh, gets more mature, the leaves get bigger on it. But you know, you get that lovely new growth out of it that gives you the lime green color, and then it turns the dark uh, green color. Which you know, in a plant like this, the flowers really show up mm. against because you know it's very contrasting. And is that should that be for a pot or for the ground or what? Where yeah, what well, would be the best uh, advice with regards to it? You can plant that straight into the ground, into the beds, or that. Or if people want to use it in a container, like it's it's going to flower from now for the next you know uh, probably a couple of months, uh, and it's going to give you loads of color. So if you want it, you could pop it in a pot, uh, keep it there, and when the flowers go off, it then transplant it into the garden. Uh, so you know you get the best of both worlds from right. Um, what it loves is uh, a, a really rich soil. So, you know, if your soil is kind of anyway lacking, uh, it's good to dig in loads of compost um, in with it. Or if you have some well broken down farmyard manure, it loves that. Um, it also, uh, um, it'll take any amount of wind as well once it Great. settles in. Okay. So, you know, when it's young like this, it might need a little bit of protection. Mm-hmm. But uh, later on, once it gets established, uh, it's a great plant for really tough exposed gardens. Um, it'll get to around you know four or five foot, so it's great for filling in areas along a fence, um, you know, or a wall or that that yeah. you want to hide a little bit. Uh, and the main trick with it is to, um, I suppose, hydrangeas the flower, uh, you know, from now on towards the end of the year. Then they can get a little bit ugly because the flowers go off them. Yes, and a lot of people go out and hack them back at that time of year, uh, but. With hydrangeas, if you leave them alone uh, through the winter months and come springtime, give them a light prune back then, you know, usually taking about a third of the growth off, you'll find that they'll flower really, really well every year for you. Great stuff. Um, And I mean, there's a huge amount of uh, potential buds coming through on that particular plant, which is only a young plant uh, or a fairly young plant anyway. So you're going to get a massive amount of colour there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, you literally won't see the leaves from the flowers. Good. That's exactly what you want. And the other variety then that you've also brought in you've brought in two hydrangeas for us this morning yeah okay. this one is blueberry cheese cheesecake okay um, now this one is a little bit uh, further behind but the buds are still forming so probably in about two weeks this is going to be flowering and this is kind of a purpley color yeah it is yeah, like blueberries for, yeah, all, the, for all the world yeah just like it uh, and the same treatment with that you know um uh, it like it's, a, it's it's going to be a beautiful plant altogether if you know if you are planting a, a purple or a blue hydrangea mm-hmm. in your garden and you want to keep it um you know you want to keep it that color if they you know turn pink naturally for you a good idea is to push an old horseshoe or a few rusty nails just uh, uh, on top of the soil when you plant them. Oh. Uh, and the iron from that will seep into the soil and it'll intensify the blue and keep them blue for so you. So that's the acidity, is exactly, it? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Never yeah, quite so the iron leaching into the soil will, yeah, will keep that intense colour. Oh, um, or there is, uh, there's granules you can get yes. that you just shake around the base of them. Uh, and that'll turn pink hydrangea into blue for you. Well, I think every house probably has a few rusty nails uh, knocking around. I think around, so, so. Yeah. I have a few <laughs> in the van at the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll come calling some, Michal. Now, Peter, you brought in some lavender as well, because as Michal said, this is obviously one of the plants that is really being used to great effect uh, in the show gardens in bloom. And there's a load of varieties. Oh, there's, there's, there's uh, loads of varieties. And like Mick was saying about the hydrangea, and funny enough to add to the hydrangea, it was voted the Chelsea flower of the the, the year the, oh, there really? is a, a new variety and forgive me but I haven't got the variety the, the, the hydrangea was voted the hydrangea, Chelsea oh. yeah, yeah and it, I suppose they're just came you know they were always considered as an old variety or an old fashioned plant but really in the last few years they've just sprung to the top of the league at the moment with, with 
plants and there's so many varieties you know I know Porik mentioned the Annabelle all the Paniculata varieties but there's a super range of, of plants and, and as Mick says they're brilliant for the west of Ireland and, and brilliant for anywhere really because of the, the conditions they the will tolerate but just moving on to the lavenders again mm. spectacular plants again and uh producing the flowers at the moment and as you can see here this particular uh, variety called Lusitanica Okay, that's, it looks a little bit bigger the flowers look a bit bigger than the usual uh, you know the standard yeah, lavender that yeah, one sees Yeah, You're, you know the, the Papillon or some of those French varieties and all these varieties uh, you know I suppose they come there with the quality with the Irish they're all grown in Ireland and there's another particular variety called Greek Mountain and Purple Empire there's probably four or five great varieties here growing in Ireland at the moment and they're super you know the purple flowers obviously with the fragrance of the foliage and as Mick was saying with lavenders earlier on you know to see them they can be put anywhere they're yeah. brilliant in containers they're brilliant for a little hedge people use them for boundaries you know great as a, as a shrub you know to plant them in baits and shrub borders so they can be used for anything they're great for attracting bees and a bit of wildlife into the garden as well too but I love them in containers and love them as a centrepiece and they give you that old cottage effect you know rather than going and, and doing the same every year with a geranium or a fuchsia it's nice just to change it and use something like this I know even in Casabar um, or Tom Gardner who does a great job down the Raging Roach uses them quite a lot too in the beds and amazing when you come later on into the year into August and people oh I never thought that and I never thought mm. they'd look and yes they do that they're super and of course the beauty about them is too that you have, once you plant them you have them every year okay. you know there's very little maintenance with them uh, if you do see the flowers fading off if we do get a bit of because they don't like the of course they don't like too much dampness or mm. too much wet and the flowers will fade just give them a light haircut a light pruning back and what happens then you get a second flush of foliage so our a second flush of flowers, mm. I should say. Okay, at what, what point in the year should we prune them back? So if, just if when you, you see it starting to... When you see the flowers just starting to drip and starting to droop a little bit, trim them back and trim them halfway back. And what happens then from August on, then you get a second flush of foliage and flowers and they'll flower right into October. Great. Uh, so they're brilliant. They're brilliant, really. And as I said, with the fragrance and the, the foliage uh, scent is, is quite nice, too. And lots of different varieties available There's at loads the of different varieties. But there's a couple of key varieties. Uh, as I said, Lusitanica, Greek Mountain, Purple Empire. There's a few of those varieties that are growing here in Ireland. And uh, they're the ones to watch out for, really. And because they, they'll probably do best, obviously, because the they're the they're used in, to the climate and everything else like indeed, that. Yeah. Okay. Well, indeed. Great stuff. Okay, so hydrangeas and uh, lavender. I know there's some more plants that we're going to come back to. We also have lots of questions. So what we're going to do is we'll take a quick break, first of all, come to uh, some of your questions and also take a look at some of those other plants that the lads have brought in this morning. You're very welcome back to the gardening programme. Loads of questions in, lads, so uh, we'll get straight down to it. Um, we'll throw this one out. Whoever wants to pick these up now as we're going along, uh, just fire ahead. Um, a listener has a forest flame. It's now yellow. How much of it should they cut back? Uh, a good time. Forest flame is the Pierre's forest flame, and they do, they're beautiful pink flower. Uh, shrub early on the season and they revert back to this uh, yellowish orange colour which isn't that attractive looking at the moment mm -hmm. cut it straight away and they can cut it halfway back they back to nearly the green part so nearly they're cutting all the young growth so really the pink flower and shoots that's all this year's growth and the yellow it's gone yellow now so you can cut back to the green stage of the plant so you're nearly cutting back this year's growth right. and with the weather we're having now at the moment 
they're go- the listener will get a second uh, spring of growth from that. So they will get a second flush of the pink growth. So for any listener that has a peer as far as flame in the garden and they're gone like that, they should do the same. And you just get that double whammy on it. A bit like what I was saying about the lavender. the lavender. It'll just shoot again for you. Now, saying that, it's a good idea just to put a little bit of a tonic or a little bit of feed to help that growth as well. Something like Seamongus or Pro 6 or Sudden Impact but a very good time to do it. And of course, to keep it, if it's a new plant or planted this year, keep it very well watered for the next, if if this weather continues. Right, which we hope it will. Which we hope it will. Uh, now, listeners wondering, uh, if they're too late in cutting back Lalandii trees, uh, they have never been trimmed back and they're quite tall and wide. Um, they're wondering, will they be very woody if they cut it back? Right, well, uh, I I suppose that's a, that's a common thing with laylands. You know, they were a very common plant years ago because they're, you know, very fast mm. growing, they're evergreen, so they're great for filling off a gap or if you didn't like the neighbour, put up a line of them in front of them. And, <laughs> but usually, uh, you know, 20 years on, they can be cause a problem for people. Um, so trimming them, uh, no, you can still trim them this time of year, but the important thing with laylands, or a lot of conifers like them, is you can't go too far back into them. Uh, so, you know, in some gardens you'd see, uh, you know, conifers or laylands maintained and they're in a lovely, you know, a lovely shape. And that's really because the gardeners would be doing it uh, twice a year and they'd be clipping it back to that every right. year. If you let them go and you want to bring them back to a certain height, you can't really do that without affecting them. Um, so all you can really do is trim off the light growth. It's really kind of... Um, the growth that has been there for the last uh, 12 months or so, once you start going into the old wood, you stop your, your trimming. Right. Um, now, you'll find if you start doing that regularly, the laylands become nice and tight and very neat, uh, but you, you do have to trim them uh, quite a bit to get that effect on them. Okay, so if, you have, if you're listening this morning and you have a younger layland tree, really the advice is trim twice a year. Yeah, do, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah keep on top of it, give it a clip and just clip that fresh growth that's out uh, on the outside of the plant. Don't go into the hardwood. Okay. Uh, a listener has a lovely shrub, or has noticed rather, a lovely shrub in flower and they want the name, please. So this shrub has red drooping flowers like the fuchsia, but it's larger and dark green leaves and they're wondering where can they get it? It's a, it's a crinodendron. It's in full flower at the moment. It's a Chinese lantern. Ah. And the listener is, is right. They're like a fuchsia type flower, but larger and they're hang. Beautiful red flower on it. Evergreen foliage. It's, it's a great garden and great garden shrub. And I'd recommend it for all gardens. A spectacular plant. I know we got a lovely batch in ourselves there in the last couple of days. So there's a nice fresh batch there at the moment. Um, so they're just in. Okay. Great time to plant them. Uh, keep them where fairly well fed with a liquid feed, something like one. They're very prolific in their flowering at the moment, and they like a little bit of a bit of feed to keep them going on. But they will stay in flower for the next six weeks. As I said, they're evergreen. They can be even put into a container and left in a container if you can't put them into their garden. And you can be your own boss with them. Some people like to let them to get to about eight feet. Right. Okay. Other people keep them to two or three feet. So that's entirely up to yourself. Okay, but so they, they grow at all levels. Obviously. At all levels. They're a great all-rounder and uh, they're beautiful at the moment. They're really good. Now, here's a question on another favourite on the programme, the Peony Rose, um, which I think are really have come into bloom over the last couple of weeks. So they have a Peony Rose, but it's only flowered once, even though it buds every year. It was grown from a cutting about 20 years ago. What might be the problem? Um, right, but with the peony rose, uh, I'd say in that particular instant, it might be good to just refresh the soil around it a little bit. Um, so what the listener can do if the peony rose is in a bed, uh, maybe fork around the soil to loosen it up. 
Uh, and even, you know, if the soil is very poor around it, you know, without disturbing the roots, just take some of the soil away. Uh, and try and get some good garden soil or some, uh, some you know, uh, good compost and fork that in around the plant. So that straight away will give it a new lease of life. It'll, you know, uh, it'll give it a, a kind of injection of growth. Uh, what they should also do is uh, fertilise it. Now, with uh, peony roses, they're different to regular roses, but you can still use the same fertiliser on them. Mm. Uh, so a rose feed, like the, the sudden impact Pete mentioned earlier on, uh, would be good. Put about maybe half a mug, scatter it round it, and do the same in about six weeks again, and water that into the plant. And that should give it, um, give it a good boost. Uh, they also might need a little bit of support, you know, so, you know, maybe a cane on it just to, to help keep the buds upright. Right. And that, that'll support them and uh, hopefully they'll open and flower for them. OK, but there is a good chance, even though they've only flowered once, that if with a bit of tender loving care, yeah. they say that it'll it'll come back and flower. That's it. And it's the same for, you know, a lot of plants that are uh, that are in your garden. If they kind of come to a flowering stage, it can mean that the, the, the plant is just, uh, it's a little bit hungry and it doesn't have enough energy to burst out those blooms. Uh, so rose feed is a great way for uh, you know for achieving that. Okay, we're going to stay with roses, uh, the more traditional kind. Though a listener has roses, that some are green and some are grey. We're told, um, and they're wondering, would it be a good idea to give them some Miracle Grow? It wouldn't. No, Miracle Grow would not be strong enough at this stage. The, the listener would want to need something a little bit more substantial, like uh, mix out their sudden impact, which is a good feed for blooms and getting a little bit of foliage on the plant. Uh, it sounds like the plant is just under a bit of stress, uh, may have lost foliage. So even at this stage, I would cut it back if it is quite bare or has lost a bit of foliage. It may have even been attacked by something, maybe mm. a wine weevil or something like that. If the listener looks at the leaves, they may see a few jagged edges on it. Something is, is, is at it. It may be just a little uh, deficiency it has. I would cut it back. It will flower again, you know, don't be worried about that. Mm. We've a long we've a long period to go yet. It'll probably just hold the plant back maybe from a, three weeks before it will flower. But that's fine. I'd cut it back, feed it with sudden impact. But Miracle Grow Miracle Grow is fine when it's up and running and it's looking well in full flower. You can top it up with Miracle Grow, but not great at this stage. A sudden right. impact is, is what so you use. You need something a little stronger. You do, yeah. Now we already mentioned sea mongus and a listener has put sea mongus on their rhubarb and it's growing really well. So they're wondering, is there anything else they can use it on in the garden? They have half a tub left. Oh, they can indeed, yeah. It's uh, it's just a shame to leave it in the tub. Yes. You know, so <laughs> if you have any, uh, really, it's a, it's an all-rounder. Uh, Seamongus is great for bringing on new growth. Um, like it's an organic fertiliser and it's seaweed-based, uh, so it's very natural. But you can use it on, uh, you know, trees in your garden, on climbers, shrubs, roses, uh, really anything that you want to give a boost to. You know, if you have a hedge that's a little bit deficient, uh, put the, the fertiliser in underneath it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a great all-rounder. So um, a, a small shake around each plant in your garden and you could repeat it again after six or six or seven weeks. Great stuff. Now, a listener has three camellias and an azalea in an overcrowded bed. So they'd like to move one camellia and the azalea to another peat bed. Uh, they're wondering, when can they do this? Uh, November. OK, not, not now. It. No, a good time for the listener to give them a little haircut at the moment, trim them back. It's a good time to prune them. They're just gone out of flower. Now is the time to give them a light pruning. Uh, if they want, if they're an established plant, they can prepare them for the lift. So maybe around the month of August, they could just underplant or undercut maybe six or 
probably about 12 to 18 inches out from the base of the plant just to prepare it for the lift. That's, of course, if it's in the ground for the last 10 years or so. If not, they can just lift it straight away in November. Okay, perfect. Um, now, heathers. Uh, listener wondering, what are they, can they do with now with their heathers? The flowers are going off at this stage. All right. Well, that would probably be the you know spring, early summer flowering heathers. Mm. So um, I suppose with all heathers, uh, uh, a good thing to do is to give them a little trim after flowering. So now is ideal for doing it. Uh, so when the flowers start to go, that brown colour, um, on a young plant you can just grab the growth and cut it straight across the top and take about a third of the growth off it so you're literally just giving it a little haircut and what that does with heather is, is it uh, it forces the plant to, to keep uh, nice rich shoots right to the ground if we let them go uh, you, you let them flower uh, you let the flowers go off and you don't trim them every year um, you get very woody growth in the centre the heather gets bigger but it only tends to shoot on the last four inches or so so um, it becomes kind of raggedy. Mm. Um, so it's great, yeah, give it a little haircut now and uh, a little bit of fertiliser and it'll be ready for next year again. Great. Now, somebody has a large old hay barn, which they tell us is an eyesore and a bone of contention. Uh, mm. Is there any plant that will grow and cover the shed? Something fast, please. There is. Uh, there's a couple of plants. Yep. Uh, well, there is one called Cissus striata. It's, it's commonly known as the Evergreen Virginia Creeper. Mm -hmm. That can be used. It's very quick. It will need a little bit of a, a trellis or a little bit of support just to get it up and running. But after that, it'll travel its own way and it'll go its own way. The Russian vine would be another good one to use. That will cover it. And it, it, you, know, you can mix a few several climbers. You could put uh, Clematis, Clematis montana which is a fairly vigorous flowering clematis. It's in full flower at the moment. It's at its peak at the moment. It's looking particularly well. That can be put in around it too. A number of varieties, you know, call into us and we'd, we'd give you a bit of advice on it. But uh, there are three to to look out for that okay. will do the job. So options for uh, if you just want to a green cover, but also options there if you want some flowers as there well. Is, there okay. is, yeah. Great. We're going to take another quick break. Time is uh, moving on, but we still have lots of questions. So stay with us. Now, you're very welcome back to the programme. Before we go any further, uh, just one or two things uh, I want to mention that has been brought to my attention. Um, and I know you're involved, I think, in, well, definitely in one, and, and I understand now, and the other as well. Uh, first of all, the launch of the Clue Bay Garden Trail took place uh, in uh, Westport last Thursday, Peter. In the Garden Centre last Thursday, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is an initiative that has developed over the last couple of years, as far as I remember. And uh, 12 gardens in and around Westport this year, well worth a visit we're told the four new gardens and you'll get all the information there from the tourist office in Westport so to Sally Churcher and everybody involved there uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of visitors for the Clue Bay Garden Trail this year just launched yeah. during the week Yeah they had a great day last Thursday Robert you know and he's I know he's Robert's mother came in with the scones and the tea and that a, that a super day by all accounts great stuff Westport. everybody well looked after very well looked and after yeah obviously people have been working very hard in their gardens and now opening them up to the public which is about what that whole initiative I think is all about to the best of my knowledge anyway now also uh, that was last week but this coming Thursday night uh, you've got um, a, a special ladies night happening we have indeed, uh, yeah, Brenda in, in Turla is organising this event and uh, 
I think you have the, the itinerary yeah, there Yeah, so there is uh, going to be, there's, it's the start of a new uh, gift department and clothing range available. So uh, things onwards and upwards at Horkins. Uh, discounts and giveaways and demonstrations. So there'll be hair and beauty. There'll be a little food and you can book your place uh, to go along to that. So it's on Thursday evening at the centre in Turlock, a free ladies night from seven until nine and a booking uh, at 094 903 Four three five or go along to horkins.ie to get more information on that. So this coming Thursday, the 5th of June, uh, Ladies' Night at Horkins in Turlock in Castlebar. And uh, if you need more details on that, you can always give us a call here at the station and we'll pass it on either. OK, let's go back to the questions now. Uh, where were we at all here? I want to make sure that we're not missing anything out. Yep. A new lawn. We talked about lawns at the start there. Uh, Charlie has a new lawn. He's wondering, should I should he roll a new lawn or does it, do they wait until the seed is up? Well, it's a good idea just to wait for the seed is up. Uh, and uh, you're just more to strengthening, putting a bit of strength on the on the new seed that's germinated and it's a good idea. And don't, don't fill, you know, if it's a roller that's with water, you know, half fill it. Right. Uh, but yeah, now is the time. A lot of people think that rolling the lawn evens it out, but it doesn't. It really goes with the with the ebbs and flows on the lawn. So as the seed comes up, it's just a good idea just to give it a light rolling at that stage. Oh, right. And I'll of course, you know, if the if, if the listener didn't feed it when they were applying the seed, a good idea to put a park and fairway feed on it too in the next week or two and that would help it too. Okay. Now we have a rhodon- rhododendron. May has a rhododendron. It's dying back, wondering should she cut it back at this stage? Uh, yeah, well, she can cut it back and that'll renew the growth. But, you know, if it's dying back, there may be another reason for um, for that. So it could be getting attacked with something or, you know, there could be something that's just um, that's affecting it. Um, so it might be good to just uh, take off a leaf of it and bring it into the garden centre the next time she's coming. So the staff there can examine it and we can see if there's, uh, if there's any little bug on it or, you know, something that'll help it. Uh, but rhododendrons are an acid-loving plant like the forest flame. Mm. Uh, so it'd be good maybe to give it a boost of um, a fertilizer uh, that's acid-based, like sequestrian would be a very good one. It, it's a tonic for acid-loving plants. And any of uh, camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas, anything like that that um, are in a little bit of trouble, uh, a bit of sequestrian on it, and that should boost it back up for her. Great stuff. Uh, a listener has a pot on a sunny patio out of doors. They're looking for plant uh, plant to put into it that'll give lots of flowers over the summer. Well, one of the best plants will be the marguerites, the white flower. And uh, we have one here. Oh yeah, give us give us a look. Give me a quick look. Yeah. Oh, Marguerites. right, stunning. So they're, they're, for those who aren't familiar with the terminology, it's the one like the very big daisies. Yeah, Would that be a fair, the, de- fair like description? The, like the Paris daisy or agramanthemum, they call them. They come in the whites, yellows and, and reds. Uh, they come in various different shapes, standards with, with, with the, the bare stem or these bush varieties. But they're, they're great for colour and they'll flower right till November. Uh, okay. Just a little bit of deadheading on them. And they're an old-fashioned plant but again, like the hydrangea, 
they're just coming back into vogue again and, and they're looking particularly well and a lot of people looking for them yeah, and they're great in pots great in containers it's a very, I have to say that's a, a lovely summer uh, look about it it's a real looks it almost is, like yeah. it's it's smiling sunshine at you um, now a listener we've been talking about hydrangeas already a listener has loves hydrangeas they have uh, sorry now just uh, they have blue and pink types uh, they're wondering is it possible to get a white flowering type uh, and they're wondering what about soil and will it flower for this summer would that be one for you Michal and, or, yeah, Peter. yeah, if it's a white flower and hydrangea, yeah. they, there is like the mop heads. There is a snowball variety, which is the white. But the best flower and white variety, in my opinion, is the hydrangea Annabelle. I know Porrick spoke about it before. It's it's one of the paniculata varieties, and it, what I mean by that is it, it can flower. It's a very simple one to grow, mm-hmm. and it can be pruned back very hard, and it flowers on new and old wood, which ma- makes it very easy to grow. But it's a superb variety huge flower on it a lovely white ivory colour flower foliage when you look at the plant it tends not to you may not strike you as being you'd, you'd sort of dismiss it maybe a little bit but when it comes out into flower it's, it's spectacular Stunning. I was in Ashford Castle uh, last uh, Tuesday supplying them with plants and the garden are up there they're, they're, they've been bought over now by a new company but they're after planting a thousand of Annabelle's up there and I couldn't believe it you know but wow. to see this and I can imagine the, the spectacular show of flowers. That must be stunning. In a few, well, they haven't flowered yet, but in a few weeks' time. But it's a superb variety, and it's it's. Uh, I think it's a must for all gardens. And soil, what kind of soil then? For not it? really. They're they're they're. You know, as Mick was saying earlier on, any hydrangea, they're not fussy. I mean, they'll take weather and they'll take soil. You know, I suppose as Mick said, the soil, and a lot of people get you know, wonder about hydrangeas with the soil. But if you've a limey soil, you tend to have a pink flower in hydrangea. If you've an acid or a peaty type soil, you tend to have a blue one. But either way, it, it doesn't affect right. the growing of the plant or anything. So any soil really. Okay. What's the best uh, treatment for black spot on roses? And what else do you need to do with roses to keep them good and healthy? Uh, well, I, I suppose with roses, uh, yeah, black spot is a disease that uh, can affect the same rose year after year. Uh, and to treat it, uh, you'd spray it with um, maybe rose clear. The uh, the main thing with black spot is to, b- before you go out and spray it, is to get a bucket and go out and pick all the affected leaves off it. Right. Because the, the fungicide, like rose clear, there's other ones, mm. it, it won't actually cure the black spot. It won't cure it on the leaf. So what you do is take all the affected leaves off, anything with a black spot on it, um, keep them in a bucket. Don't leave, let them fall on the ground or at the base because they'll get back onto the plant and then spray it with rose clear. So what you're doing is uh, you're treating the plant but uh, you're, uh, you're, you're ensuring that the new foliage that comes out on it isn't affected. And it, sometimes it needs a few sprays. Normally every two weeks you'd spray it. Um, another good tip is in the winter months, uh, when the roses are uh, bare, you know, you cut them back at that stage. Uh, but it's good to spray them with a stuff called armillotox. And what armillotox does is you're spraying the, the bare stems. There's no leaves on the plant at this stage. It sterilizes the, the stems of the plant and it cleans it up. So if there is any disease present from the year before, it uh, it kind of nullifies that. Right. So coming into the new season, um, the, uh, the roses have a fresh start. Uh, also, we, um, I'm sure Porik mentioned sulphate of potash before, mm-hmm. uh, and sulphate of potash is great for roses, but it, it works, um, it tends to bring out the blooms in it, but not just that, it uh, also helps the plant against disease, it helps it fight it. Um, so 
maybe feed it with potash, uh, spray it with rose clear, and take the leaves off and you know get rid of them in the wheelie bin or that. Right. Uh, and that should um, help it on. Okay, make sure there's nothing left really. Yeah. Um, we're going to turn our attention to just vegetables for a few moments. Um, listener wondering about growing carrots is it possible to grow carrots in big round flower pots and if you can what type of compost carrot would you use yeah the carrots can be easily grown in containers in pots and it's a very good way of doing them as long as it's a, there's a bit of depth in the container it's fine they need to get something a compost like a john ennis something with a bit of gritty or a sandy of course carrots like that type of soil something that they can bore down obviously mm. in easy so i'd recommend a john ennis compost a fairly deep container and that's it really okay easy to grow perfect um now somebody is wondering they'd like to know why the leaves of tomato plants are curling up in their polytunnel that be a watering problem it can be yeah it can be a number of factors like so it can um if uh, if uh, like tomatoes they hold a lot of moisture in their leaves so uh, if they dry out the moisture has to come from somewhere um, so, you know, the root system sucks the, the moisture down from the, the plant and that can cause leaf curl. Uh, but there's also um, a, a, an insect that can affect them as well. So he sits on the back of the leaf, he pierces the leaf and he sucks the sap out of it. And that, because the, again, the sap has been drained from that leaf, mm. uh, that can affect it. So it might be good to just examine the plants, see if there's any sign of bugs on it. If there is, uh, give them a spray and uh, yeah, keep on top of the watering as well. Great. Uh, okay, one or two more because time is, is ticking along. Um, somebody wondering about what colour petunias would would you suggest putting in with red petunias? This might be a very subjective kind of a question now. Um, if they don't, they have no white ones available, so they're wondering are there other colour petunias to put? Well, in? rather than going for another petunia, if they yeah. want a white, they could go for bacopa, the snowflake, a brilliant plant. It's a basket plant, flowers from now till November. So it's Bacopa snowflake. You know, some people, which looks well with a red petunia, funny enough, is the purple petunia. Purple and red can be very, you oh, know... very striking, very, I'd say. Very, very striking. Yeah. And they, that can be a nice cocktail. The real, a lot of the growers are using these, uh, you know, collections, and, and certainly purple and red is one to look out for, mixed with a little bit of Biden's, which is a yellow. So you have the purple, the red, and the yellow. Uh, or simply just put put the white Bacopa with it. Okay. But... Um, you know, call in and we'll 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 show you and we'll we'll show you how to do it. Okay, and finally, uh, what is the best time to move a lily, and can you divide it up? Uh, you can indeed. Uh, like Pete was saying earlier, like the uh, any moving any plants that you're digging out of your garden and you're putting into another area of your garden, uh, it's better to do it uh, in the off season. So that's usually between November and March. Um, now, if you absolutely have to, you can lift plants this time of year, okay. but you're running a big risk of losing them. So be prepared for that. So if, you know, you're doing a bit of work around the house and you need to get some plants out of the ground, uh, if it's absolutely necessary, try and lift as big a root ball as you can from the plant so you're not disturbing the root as much. Uh, have them well watered before you you move them. Have the other hole prepared uh, before you lift them so they're going into the, the next hole straight away. Um, and just keep an eye on them. If you do um, move a plant and it starts to suffer, yeah. uh, sometimes a little bit of root and powder mixed with water and um, and drenched around the base uh, will really help it as well. But try and leave it till the, the, the off season. Okay. 
Great stuff. Lads, uh, we'll have to leave it there for today. Thanks very much. Right, thanks a million. Uh, and we'll be back again with the gardening programme next Saturday just after nine o'clock. Uh, don't forget the ladies' night in Horkins this coming Thursday evening uh, from seven until nine and you can uh, give them a shout there on 094-903-1435 to get more information on that today. Uh, I'm back next Saturday just after seven. Michael Neary is out and about and he'll be coming your way directly after the news at ten for the moment. Good morning.